Hello and welcome to the What Are We Even Doing Here podcast, a podcast that seeks to answer the question of what are we even doing here from a biblical perspective. We are part of the Christian Podcast Community. Check out this and many other great podcasts at ChristianPodcastCommunity.org. My name is Daryl, and the Word of God says from 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 20, O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. For by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. Grace be with you. Now, one of the reasons I read that scripture, because it's awesome, is one of the reasons. But another reason is because Timothy, even in this book, he's called a young person. He's young, uh, not necessarily young in his faith, but he's young. And I'm sure at times the Apostle Paul had to calm him down because he was often maybe restless in his, in his faith and sharing of his faith. And we know that he was taught the doctrines of grace, as Paul taught, as Jesus taught, and many other great doctrines that many of us believe are the Reformed doctrines of the faith. So in a way, Timothy was young, restless, and Reformed. And I have, as a guest today, someone whose podcast I've been listening to uh, probably a few months ago. I started listening to it, and I'll, I'll tell him how I came across it. But it is a podcast called Restless a postmortem on the young, restless, and reformed. And if anybody knows what that young, restless, and reformed movement was, new Calvinism, then this is a podcast for you to go and listen to because these uh, guys break it down, Matt and also Pastor Mike, and I've enjoyed and been encouraged by it. So I'll just get to the guest right now. So Matt, how are you today? I'm doing good. I it is always an exciting time to figure out what we are even doing here. So this is, <laughs> exactly. I'm glad to be here. I am glad that, um, you know, in a time where no one wants to get branded as the YRR guy, the young, restless and reform guy. And I, I am, I am seemingly self-consciously doing it. I may have Timothy in, in my company. So that's encouraging for me to yes. start. Yes. And I don't know if that, you know, is accurate what I, I said, but uh, you know, I, I, I was prompted, you know, I like to share a scripture that has to do with what I'm going to talk about in my guests. And that's what I was thinking of today. Uh, it was like, Lord, what, what passage would, you know, and there's so many great ones that I could went with, but young Timothy, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure he was restless. Like mm -hmm. as, as any Christian should be who wants to share their faith and in, in, in second Timothy he's encouraged to be an evangelist, you know, uh, do the work of an evangelist. So I thought it was fitting. He's so. told to, and he's given advice that a lot of the young men like me, when I was very young, restless and reformed mm. uh, could have used to follow the example of godly men to avoid certain disputes, um, you know, to, to focus on, you know, virtue evangelism and the the what you know is that is sound in the faith and so i love it i think it's great and so it's a great application awesome so matt before we get into what your podcast is about and, and various other things tell the uh listening audience who might not be familiar with you a little bit about yourself yeah it's funny we on our show um we often don't talk a ton about ourselves so I'll share this to our listeners so they might hear more about me. Right now, I am sitting in the town I actually grew up in. I have left and uh, been brought back for a time, uh, La Crosse, Wisconsin. So I'm married. I've been married 10 years now, and I have three beautiful children. Um, I am a licentiate for the Wisconsin Presbytery of the PCA 
which is my co-host is ordained is where he's ordained. I am still an RTS seminary student, which is great. And so the Lord has, yeah, been blessed. I was blessed to grow up in a home. Both of my parents were first generation Christians and they wanted me to know Christ as a little kid. And so they talked to me about Jesus and took me to all kinds of stuff. And so it was a huge blessing to me. I, um, it's, I think is a theme in my life. I did my best to, um, not turn a profit on what the Lord had given me. I sought to flee. I moved uh, far away. I moved to Iowa to, um, kind of be, be rid. It wasn't that I didn't believe. I just didn't care. It was not important to me. And I wanted, uh, to just kind of be free from, uh, what I thought were unreasonable expectations, uh, to do my thing. And there I was befriended by a campus minister and a pastor, a pastor of a reformed, a small reformed church. And I moved to a place where I knew nobody. And these were the two people I met early on and God used these people and other men in my life, um, to show me not just the truth of Jesus, the goodness of it, the freedom he offers to all of us. And so that kind of set me on, um, the path that my parents had prayed and hoped for. And so thank God for them. Thank God for the many, the people in God's church he brought alongside me and exposed me to reform theology. Um, and with that for me, um, it became a, uh, I love sharing my faith. That was what I love to do. And I, over time learned there were lots of places around the world where there were not people. There were, there were, there was a lack of people. And so <clears throat> I started on a couple of year process of getting sent uh, overseas where uh, my wife went with me and we lived for seven years. And so we've actually pretty soon returned little inside restless information that probably not a lot of people know is we actually started while I was still overseas. And so like COVID and everything else, much of my life um, has changed. Um, and I think it's a blessing. I, I hope to be helping uh, God willing. And if the, if the church sees fit, I will be helping, um, plant churches in some of the underserved, uh, rural communities in the Midwest here. And so we need gospel believing churches and there is no church that does that like the reformed church. So. Amen. I, I think I, I definitely 100% agree with you that we need more reformed churches. And that's something that's been on my heart for for a while now you know i i i'm also pursuing being licensed in the opc so i'll probably pick your brain a few times not necessarily on this show but uh like about how your process was because i'm sure it's very similar to what what we do in the opc so right now i'm studying for the english bible exam that i'm That's taking right. taking in april so i'm trying to memorize bible outlines and i'm like there's so much i'm like ah, what am i even doing here like That's right. <laughs> yeah. i have I have a very thick binder of, I took at the same time, I, I took my, I took my Westminster confession exam. I took my, probably the, the biggest difference would be the book of church order exam. And then of course the English Bible exam. And I memorized 66 outlines um, mm -hmm. of books of the Bible, which was, as you're describing, totally overwhelming as a guy who does other things as a family, but is uh was it, is a huge blessing, right? Because I can, where I can now, I feel very comfortable uh, 
flipping to wherever I need to in the Bible very quickly. So, and I think that is a great thing about Reformed churches, especially you know PCA, OPC, that their ministers aren't just some person that you know kind of knows the Bible and you know wants to preach. They ask their pastor, "Can I preach?" and then they're thrown in the pulpit. You know, and I'm not saying that the majority of churches do that, but there are a lot of churches out there where men aren't properly equipped or tested mm-hmm. before they're they're thrown into the pulpit. And I think that's a blessing about being in the Presbyterian denominations we are in, where you are examined. You are they want to make sure that what you're ministering to the people of God, that bet to the best of the sessions ability and the Presbyterian's ability, that you know what you're you're talking about. So that, yep. yeah, definitely a blessing. It's 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 an arduous task, but it is also a blessing to know that once you're once you're done, that it's it's an academic study, but it's also a spiritual study that, that God will bless if you're you're diligent in it. Right. It, much much like Paul is instructing Timothy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the the world needs more trained pastors. We can say they need more reformed churches, but hmm. having been around the world, seen churches in many countries. And it's not, and of course, in all the places in the world, it's not going to look the same, right. you know, in all these places, but, but we can't, you know, figuring out what that training needs to look like, you know, is one thing, but we can't give up training pastors because this is, you know, the, you know, people, when people are, when I tell people I'm working on a master's degree, they think about their, their master's degree in teaching or something. And, you know, that's great. Or in, in social worker. And, and these are great degrees, right? If I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not bad talking to anyone who's in higher education, but right. These are 25 credit degrees. A traditional master's of divinity is a minimum of a hundred credit hours of work. Yeah. And why is that? Because in the Western tradition, what they said is, well, there are three professions. There are doctors, lawyers, and pastors. And why were they all trained this way? Well, you train a doctor this way because he's caring for your body, right? And that's important. Mm -hmm. You train a lawyer this way because, I mean, if you need a lawyer, you want a good one, right? You want him to know what he's talking about. Uh, And then the pastor, why would you train him this way? Because he's the person you're trusting to care for your soul. Now, does that make everything all of what all other believers do unimportant? Not at all, right? You should take your own health, your own legal situation very seriously. You should inform yourself. You should seek to study yourself, but it's good to have one person around, right? Who can answer those, those questions that are just slightly beyond that or point you to the right resource to look at. And, and um, I've seen it trained laborers, bless churches all over. And it's been a blessing to me being in a church with a pastor like that, a pastor who's in his last year of ministry um, and seeing what he has that one day I can only aspire to offer as a pastor um, and as a man of God to a group of people. So, Yeah, and I would hope, as you would too, that every minister that gets into the pulpit, whether it's the, the pastor or Lysetchant or anybody that, that's behind the pulpit with the word of God, that they would take it seriously because like there's an actual fear like before I exhort, like this is the word of God, like, and as Spurgeon would pray, I believe in the Holy spirit. I believe in the Holy spirit Yep. because these are the words of eternal life. And yes, we are fallible, but we still don't want to get it wrong and play fast and loose. We want to know what we're saying because 
this is what people need to hear. They need to hear about salvation in Christ and and in in him alone that we are saved and hear that why they need that savior, why they need salvation because of sin. And if we start playing around with that, and I've heard too many sermons where it's, it's played around with, but yeah, it's important to be trained properly and to have that a righteous, a, a, a right fear of, of what you're about to do. <laughs> right. Right. I know. Right. I know it's funny. And, you know, TV doctor shows when the, the surgeon is making jokes as he's getting ready to sit down, you know, to do a surgery. Mm-hmm. I want my, if I have to get a surgery, I want my surgeon laser focused yeah. and more so to my pastor, because my, this, you know, our bodies, it's going to fall apart no matter what. Mm-hmm but my soul, the words of life that I, my kids and my community need to hear, right? You're it's, there's a lot on the line as you're saying, it's a heavy, this is why James says, right? Not many of you should want to be teachers. Right. My, as my son pops in here, say hi hi to Matt. You can say hi. Go talk in the mic. (laughs) You don't have to lip sync. (laughs) He always does that. He doesn't want to actually say hi. He wants to look like he's saying hi. Because he sees himself in the video. This is this is great radio, by the way. Great podcasting. Can't even hear the person I'm referencing. <laughs> yeah. I'll describe him for you. He has dark hair. It's curly. He's a good looking guy, no doubt. Yeah, good looking guy. Thank you. Um, so we'll, we'll move on from what we're discussing here and discuss the main topic that we want to get into, and that's your uh, your podcast. So talk a little bit about Restless, like why the name restless which we kind of already touched on it and what what yep. you guys primarily have been discussing as you have what uh, over a hundred thousand downloads now that's right yeah it's pretty it's pretty weird and wild um so basically what happened is um pastor michael and i uh grew up our moms have been in the same small group for 40 years almost um and so we kind of grew up around each other uh, we, we, you know, we went to different schools, so we kind of would talk every now and again. And as time went on, we kind of realized we would talk about things and it would be kind of be interested. We'd be interested in the same thing. So we were both, you know, uh, back when I was sharing uh, Mark Driscoll sermons with everyone who would listen because it's what they needed to hear. Mm-hmm. Michael was like, oh yeah, I'm on that too. And then later, um, after I came back and I was on a furlough and I was here in the U S I asked my mom that if she knew of any reformed churches in our city. And I mean, this is a here in the Midwest Presbyterian churches are, are rare. It's just, that is not who settled here. Lutherans and Catholics did. Um, and so then the gospel believing churches were f- free churches. Um, and thank God for them. That's where I was raised. And that's where Michael was raised. And she said, well, Michael's kind of a pastor of one of those churches. And so we kind of just got together. We, you know, we were, we became members there and we're happy there. And Michael and I were talking one day and thinking about um, this interesting, this interesting parallel track we had from evangelicalism into the YRR and both now with confessional beliefs right now and he obviously he is a presbyterian pastor right he has been a as we've talked about Mm -hmm. trained and tried and and proved to teach god's word but we realized a a few things is one when we were talking about this podcast in the end of 2019 it seemed like the kind of we're all friends we're all all the big names all these big names with from calvinistic and reform beliefs 
it seemed like they were starting to break apart and a lot of people were becoming disillusioned with them. And we also knew a ton of people who became, who joined more confessional churches uh, like the OPC, like the PCA, you know, like a lot of the Dutch reformed churches. But we also know people who kind of just stayed where they were said, I'm a Calvinist now. And then kind of were just a little bit unhappy with the sermons they heard at the church. They didn't leave and stayed in because their church hadn't changed. And so we kind of decided that we would make, we would make a podcast. Um, God has given us both really good memories that we're able to kind of pick up and think about, I remember and pull out all of these kinds of things. And what we would do is we would promote, um, promote confessional Christianity and kind of talk about what to do next. If you were YRR, if you aren't sure what went wrong and just kind of talk about that together and do it in a fun way, right? Our podcast is, uh, yeah, we, we have a good time and we embrace that. We are a tiny, if we're helpful, we, we do something very small that's helpful and we hope it's enjoyable for people. And so the name restless just comes from the fact that, um, you know, it comes from the term, the young, restless and reformed, and that maybe most of all, what many of us were, were restless, that there was a, for what, for maybe some good reasons and probably some bad, most of us weren't content with where we were. And the thing that happened is I think our show would have, uh, kind of continued on in a pretty, um, unknown way. We'll put it until Christianity today decided it was time to start making their own show. And I'm sure they didn't take the idea from us, but we do like to, to claim that, that they were going to make an, uh, a review, uh, tell the story of the rise and fall of Mars Hill, which I'm sure your listeners have at least heard of. Because when I go to church planning conferences, when I go to trainings, everyone I hear is talking about this show. And so, of course, we figured we would listen to it and talk about it. But as I listened to it, I realized that they have their own kind of agenda. They have their they have a they have their own read on this. They want everyone to take, and that made us decide to go episode by episode through the show. And so, um, trying to trying to agree where there's agreement because obviously something went horribly wrong. Right, one man leaving the church took a church of 10,000 people. Should any church have 10,000 people? That's a good question Mm -hmm. to nothing overnight. I mean, that's an incredible story, right? No doubt. No, no wonder, right. Journalists are interested in it. And then um, what we do is, as I say, this is entertainment. This is high quality, but we need to ask, what are they wanting us to take away from every episode? And so we have laughs while we do it. We have a good time. Um, I, I probably have listened to more than, like 500 hours of Mark Driscoll on my own from when I was a young man. So Mm -hmm. I, I, I mean, I remember the clips, you know, these kinds of clips they're playing and I, and it's always good, right? It's probably one of the good things about the show is it, it does require me to be very humble. I don't know if I don't, I always come across that way, but I'm routinely saying, man, this thing we're talking about how problematic it was. I was, I was cheering this Mm -hmm. 10 years ago. So that's what our show is. We cover other things too. Um, We are this year, we're going to walk through a section of second Peter because we want to teach all the, the young men, the older men, the women who listen to us, the, the virtues that Peter says will keep you from error. 
which I think is something people are very interested in. Um, yeah, we and we and as news comes up, we just did an episode on an article Megan Basham did on Francis Collins and his association with evangelicalism. And so we cover these kinds of things as they come up and we have a good time. So that's, that's restless. Yeah. And, and, and winter's almost over. So I, I don't know if, if you should stop being winsome when you're winsome winter as you're <laughs> going through, as, we, as we've labored to do, we, yeah. you know, um, we think as, as it gets warm um, is we are going to finally let pastor Michael review Jesus and John Wayne on the air. Mm-hmm. After yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for that in the spring. So a couple more weeks, we want to do two more fairly winsome things. Um, the next episode we're doing, which will release a few days after we, uh, after we're recording this, uh, is going to be on the demon and deliverance ministry at Mars Hill. And so we are going to, after that, because one of the big things you, you learn after you leave the YRR, um, or as you, uh, as you read confessional documents, or you meet these um, godly older pastors, is that the YRR met, missed almost everything about reformed theology except the five points right and one of the big things that the yrr really trumpeted itself as is charismatic not cessationist very much that we are going to prove that that is um that cessationism was wrong and so um we are going to at least before the end of winsome winter we want to present um an argument for cessationism that is winsome that I found really helpful. And I think it's helped a lot of people because I think for a lot of people, when you first hear the idea that, so you're saying the Holy spirit doesn't do everything he did in the days of the apostles. I think it's um, it seems on its face to people um, with my background and a broadly evangelical background, it seems a, like a strange thing to say. And so we want to, we think that was underplayed and that's the thing that I think uh, has helped me and will help others. So we got a, we got one or two more winsome things to do before we go back to not even trying. And so <laughs> not even trying summer. That's, what yep, that's right. <laughs> well, it's interesting. Like the, the Mark Driscoll stuff, because um, I've been a Christian. It'll be 10 years in August. And I kind of, you know, the, the young wrestlers and reform was probably starting to come down at that point mm-hmm. when I, when I came to the Lord, but I did list, I forget how I got onto Mark Driscoll, but somebody probably suggested him to me and I was listening to him and same thing. I was like, wow, this guy's saying some good stuff. And this was probably when he was like doing more bad stuff at that point, but I, I didn't know, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I think it was like two years later is when, when the fall happened, when, when right. like he had that book come out and then it, and it came out that he was like, you know, doing the, the whole New York times, like buying right. all these books, paying people off or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, so he's so probably the, preaching through Luke at that point would be my guess. Maybe, would, maybe I m- remember listening to re- recordings of his sermons, like on podcasts. Oh, and sure. He, and he would oft, often have like, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Rick Warren, like do like a commercial or something with him about like, I don't know, but yeah. like I, at that point too, I, I wasn't like, wasn't as uh, keen on Rick Warren's issues, but right. so, but then as things came out, you know, and I was going to a, a Christian missionary Alliance church at the time. Sure. Um, so, so that's a very charismatic uh, denomination. So no one was pointing these things out to me, but yeah, 
that that's kind of where I started. But so so I did listen to the rise and fall of Mars Hill, and that you know, like you say, some things are like important. Like we should know this stuff. It's it's good to to have these things exposed. But yeah, there's always an angle. Like what was the angle of the solution? What what is the solution? Is the solution to the problem biblical, or is it just like a worldly like oh this was bad so we must stop all of this then that was kind of like right like the the gist of it right uh, the, the concern we have in case you're you know i don't expect all your listeners to listen to what we're doing but the concern we have is that they seem to blame traditional christian theology on a lot of it and right. that that's what that's what our concern is and um and obviously, this is again, as you as you mentioned, the the importance of becoming um, why we need tested and approved men because you can bring repute on the gospel if you behave if you behave poorly, right? Yeah. And and so, um, but I I do wish we could have you know we're we also we also make a lot of jokes about nuance, but we we are supporting that. We wish there was a bit more nuance on. Mm-hmm. on what went on there. And so, yeah, the years of the YRR, the really high point is probably about 2004 uh, 24 to 2014 is usually what yeah. we say. And then mm-hmm. in about 2009, I mean, this is how big of a deal it was that, I mean, this is why we, uh, and this is right after I kind of started associating with it is in 2009, Time Magazine called it one of the 10 ideas changing the world right now. Now, what's really funny about that list is if you go find the other ideas on that list, you'll have never heard of any of them. And I'm like, oh, this is how everyone thinks about new Calvinism. Well, like, what? no one, no one except in our circles has heard of that anymore. Um, they they did not pick ideas that seem to have lastingly changed, uh, mm-hmm. you know. But but yeah, so it was um, it was kind of a about a it was a a decade of it being on the rise. Um, and now there has been the first, and we've interviewed him a few times, the first academic work on what it meant and how that happened. And so that's a great work by Brad Vermerlin. It's pretty expensive, but um, he's a very interesting guy to talk to uh, who studied it. Yeah. And what, what's interesting is, you know, so people associate like Mark Driscoll and certain guys with reformed theology who aren't reformed other than their Calvinism. Right. So, so when abuse happens and I'm, it, it, yeah, and abuse still happens in reformed churches, but when abuse happens, people, and we see this, ha- a movement happening now, this deconstruction movement. Yep. So people say, Oh, well that's reformed theology, reformed theology, bad because of Mark Driscoll, because of, you know, who, whoever they, they think is reformed when it's okay. Well, let's examine, are they, is it really reformed theology you have a problem with or, you know, right. so they, they throw it all out. And this is actually how I, I came across you guys is because a friend of mine sent me an episode that you did about a person that I know who's a new evangelical. Mm. <laughs> so, so you, you were doing a winsome episode, taking, uh, taking it. Us I hope we remained winsome. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you did. Cause I agree yeah. with you, but, <laughs> yeah. but it, it was over something that he tweeted and, uh, yeah, I think you analyzed it correctly, and it's frustrating because I, I know this person, and he's he's gotten like so many follows, like in a short period of time, and I've tried to talk to him like like through messaging, and I just kind of stopped because it wasn't really doing anything. He wasn't mm. really listening. Maybe I wasn't listening. I don't know, but maybe I wasn't being winsome. But yeah. So now now I I go onto like his his Twitter. Uh, and the reason I do that is because 
I'm raising young children. So mm-hmm. he, his claim is he grew up in the church. He, he used to claim he grew up in a reformed church. So I, I asked him once, okay, well, was it ref- how was it reformed? Did you, did you guys follow the 1689? Because he was said he was Baptist. He's like, mm-hmm. uh, let me look. And he's like, no, we, we didn't do. I was like, well, then you weren't reformed if you're not confessional. Like you might have been Calvinistic and it might have been even right. a terrible explanation of Calvinism that you actually have a problem with. <laughs> so, right. um, so the reason I, I check on, on what he's saying is because raising young children, growing up, them growing up in the church, I want to know what potentially questions they could have that that I want to answer to the best of my ability. But a lot of the things he's asking just are usually straw man arguments or like always yeah. like it always comes down to politics for him, too, which right. well, no, let's get to the gospel. And if if you are a old evangelical or new evangelical, that word means gospel, a person who right. like, believes the gospel, but there's never any gospel in what he's saying. So there's no good news. Other, right. like, so it's very frustrating. And it, and it seems it, like he, he's had, you know, maybe experienced abuse or knows people who have, but you can't throw out like a whole like Christian orthodoxy <laughs> because right. you don't like it because you think it's abusive. But if well, it's what the scripture teaches, it's what it teaches. Exactly. Well, and the, I think, and I know the episode you're talking about the issue I, you know, we were making is that I don't, I, and, and this would be an, I would be truly interested to talk to this per, uh, person about this is why are you holding on to the title of evangelical? Because there are, there's a very wide tradition of people that aren't evangelicals, right? What, what is why it's a very um, it's, this is another thing I've, I've read online is that the evangelical religion does have power though. If you go to right, why are, why are professors and colleges talking about all these evangelicals and in evangelical religion? Cause they, because it actually has power because now, and again, this is what something, right. A gun has power, but that right. Doesn't mean you use it carelessly. Right. Right. Um, and you know, this is, it's, I do. I agree with you that I think a lot of this deconstruction is, um, yeah, hurt people, people who were abused. Um, the the issue, of course, at the end of the day, is exactly what you're saying: is if the gospel is true, if the Bible is true, that's what's important. And two, you can't go anywhere in our culture today and not find the kind of abuse these people are worried about. There aren't schools, government, media, right? Our culture is sick, right? I agree. And I agree that, but please don't take the legs out from under the one thing that has hope, mm-hmm. right? And it's going to be a lot of stories like the rise and fall of Mars Hill along the way, but there is hope. Mm-hmm. There can be hope because not because of any of these stories, but, but because of Christ, right? Yeah. And as soon as they start chipping away at the foundation, of Christ, of the scripture, you can't have a Jesus that doesn't have a, because doesn't, we don't learn from an infallible Bible, you know, like an right. errant Bible, like we have the word of God. So we, we, if we can't trust one thing, then we can't trust another thing. So that's right. what I see in like a lot of deconstruction going on is they're, they're saying, well, you know, that's, not really what the Bible says here, even though it's like, mm-hmm. well, it says yeah. it like, yeah, or right. they, 
choose and pick and choose, and then they'll accuse others of picking and choosing, and it, it just becomes very frustrating. But as soon as the foundation is gone, then you can't say this is wrong. Like right. it, it's like it's like an atheist saying something's wrong when they have no foundation to stand on, right. and they have to borrow from the Christian worldview to do it. Right. Yeah. yeah. And this isn't you know this even this question of being reformed right is a is a thing that we've talked about. We'll probably do more on because I do think having um because again it's it's not that i don't want a person who says oh i'm reformed you know i'm not my goal isn't to to uh shame them or like no no not really right you know that's that's not what it is but what i do want to do is i want to open their eyes to the to the broader definition that that word has than the five points of calvinism um because that's what all i thought it meant um Mm -hmm. and that's kind of how it's used in our in our, in our time, if you believed in some form of the five points, you don't need to know what the cans of Dort are, where they came from. You don't need to know any of that. If you know, if you can speak five sentences, you get to be reformed. And the, the issue is that those, all of that truth came in a much wider context, much deeper biblical roots. That is much more healthy and has effects, you know, if you have to make the five points all of life, life becomes small, right? right. This is why it's called the cage stage. And so mm-hmm. what we tend to say is we also are, we're the big, we call ourselves the big tent. We're really ecumenical, right? There are people who say, um, you know, reformed, you have to be in a reformed confessional church. I respect, I believe that's a good thing, right? That's what I'm doing. But I think the heart of reformed theology comes to this the sovereignty of God, of course, the five points. I believe but to be reformed in any historic sense, you need to follow the regulative principle of worship that mm-hmm. God defines. He commands how we worship and what we do. And then third, the Bible is unified by covenants. What do we mean when God is a personal God, that he relates to us by binding himself to us by promises? And I think those kind of three big overarching um, things together are reformed theology that that's what makes us not lutheran that's what makes us uh not catholic um or you know non-reformed baptist i think that that is what you find and those three things together inform worship inform life and how we relate to god and well who god is and that that's 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 something that's beautiful right that's that's big yeah amen Amen. What do you, what do you think since doing your, your podcast, what has been a blessing that you didn't think like, yeah, yeah. It's been a lot. It's been a lot. Uh, I get to talk to a friend. I didn't talk to a whole lot before and I talk to him a ton now and our families have gotten closer. That's a huge blessing. I think, um, beginning to interact with our listeners has been great. You know, I mean, it's always fun when someone says, Hey, I'd never read a confession. I'm reading the Westminster now. Like I, you know, just I'm reading it devotionally and it's very helpful to me. That's cool. That's really fun. Yeah. Um, that's been a, a big blessing that our kind of our funny, um, that, yeah, that just kind of having a good time with it has been that way. And I, I think that, um, we, we get critiqued on our tone a lot cause we do laugh. We do laugh. Um, yeah. But as much as we make it critique talent, we also get people who are like, oh man, it is just so good to be able to laugh at ourselves and 
in and you know just like it's right it's it's going to be okay right you just can we can it can be that way right and so i think those have been blessings for me obviously that's probably different than our listeners me getting to hang out with someone i like to talk to right is yeah. different than what they get but right we truly enjoy making it you know so yeah a, a blessing for me that i i didn't think uh of was somebody from my church listens to my podcast mm. and it's actually my pastor's mother-in-law and each week she encourages me she's like oh i listened to to your your show and you're like i that, that was great what you said there and so so sherry i want to thank you for, mm, <laughs> for listening awesome. listening to the show but yeah it's very it is an encouragement especially when people you know like yeah actually listen it's like oh you listen like <laughs> yeah but, uh, yeah yeah, we love all, all our listeners. So um, two more questions before before I let you yeah. get on with your night. Uh, what encouragement do you have for for the listeners? Yeah. Oh, my family's. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you're good. I'll say we have, I'll give you two. One, right? One of the big, rich, rich, beautiful things that, that really um, was powerful in my life when a, a outgrowth of covenant theology an outgrowth of coming to a more broad reform thing. And then I'll give you something from thinking about the YRR as much as I do, um, which is not as much as our listeners assume they must assume I just eat, sleep and dream it. Right. We, <laughs> we talk about other things most of our time, but man, family worship. If you're, uh, if your listeners, um, if there's anyone listening who is not doing simple family worship, singing a song, praying together and reading the Bible. I know it's not, I I've got a busy family too. I know it's not always daily, but as many days of the week as you can do you, it is such a blessing, right there. It is a, it is one of the old pietistic practices that your quiet time has to be you alone in a silent place with you know, getting to contemplate and, and those things can be helpful and good. And, you know, it's good to get up early, you know, to make those things happen, but God is pleased when you sing with your kids and your wife and you pray together and you read the Bible and you explain it in a way that is, um, helps them understand it. And what is, and I think for me, it's, it's been some of the best preparation for anyone who wants to be in ministry. If you want to be in ministry, this is the place, this is where God would have you start. I think just explain the Bible to your family. Basically it doesn't have to be fancy. Right. But you know, I, you just, you think of things as you do it, right. You're trying to help your kids understand what would it be like to be blind? And you just say, close your eyes and try and walk around. Cause you just want them to understand how amazing it is to have a savior who opened people's eyes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's my one. That's one of the encouragements. I think that's a beautiful thing. The reformed faith, traditionally emphasizes and calls us to uh, a biblical thing, right? This is in biblical texts all over in Deuteronomy and Ephesians, right? Jesus took time for kids. So we should take time for our own kids. You know, the second one I think is we our podcast. As I really think about it in, at the end of the day, um, it's probably basically discernment, right? We are weighing good and evil, right? That's what we do. We do it sometimes better, sometimes, sometimes it's less, um, which is why we also think it's okay to laugh. We think it is okay to laugh at certain kinds of error. I think that that is something, 
uh, that can be biblical. But the issue is for a lot of us that me included is if you don't have gratitude, you are not going to be good at discernment. A lot of the, the issue of a lot of how people talk about the YRR, how it was, you know, it ripped up everything, how it's so bad, how it's been bad for reformed churches. And I, and again, I make a show talking about how all those things happened, right. Or evangelicalism, you know, but man, the YRR is how I learned about reformed theology. The evangelical church is what taught me that Jesus loves me, that he died for my sins mm. and that my parents, you know, raised me to know. And so I think if you don't come to it with fun and even, even talking about, and we, you know, we are unashamed to name names on our podcast of big, big names um, and, and point out areas where we think they're wrong. But if you don't have gratitude for who they are and what they have done, um, regardless of what they're doing now, you're not going to be good at discernment. And so I think gratitude is the place to start. And gratitude is the thing to keep on your mind with how God has worked because God has always worked through sinful means. Right. And that's, that's the glory of what we see in the cross. So um, that the, that's the big one that I think we keep coming back to is the need for gratitude um, before we do anything else. Yeah. And one thing we can both be grateful for is, is the cross of Christ is that, we, we are sinners, yet we've been redeemed by Christ, by his finished work, his life, his perfect life, his death on the cross for us, his, and then he was buried, and he rose again on the third day. He ascended into heaven, and he's seated at the right hand of God the Father, and he's coming again to judge the quick and the dead. Mm-hmm. So all those out there listening who aren't saved, we pray that, that you do put your faith in Christ, that you turn you, and, and you stop trusting in yourself, if you're trusting in your own works, if you're in a religion whether it is Roman Catholic or even a, a Protestant religion that's adding works to your salvation, that you, it is not in anything that you do that saves you it is in the finished work of Christ and him alone that we are saved. And for that, we are grateful. And then from that gratitude, we will strive to be obedient, knowing that we are forgiven in Christ. And it's not anything that we do. It, again, it is that finished work of Christ. And that is a beautiful thing. That is the gospel. But I have one more fun mm-hmm. question for you. I don't know if you looked Perfect. up th- this person's name or if you already knew it. You might have already knew it. But Nicholas Kim Coppola. Do you know who Nicholas Kim Coppola is? I felt horrible that I had to look this up, but I am so happy that I looked up who Nicholas Kim Coppola was. So who 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 is he? He is the one, the only, the Nick Nick Cage. Yes, Nicholas Cage. So here's the fun question that I've been asking my guests. If a Nicholas Cage movie was real life, what character would you want to be? But you can't be anybody that Nicholas Cage is oh well of course <laughs> that's the twist that is a, that's a good twist um man when i was a kid a lot of his a lot of the there's a lot of as i think about man a lot of these have really bad endings don't they um yeah. <laughs> especially if you're not nick cage but a movie that i think if i remember correctly this movie i i man I wonder if I was, I was 10. I just realized I just, I was 10 when I think I was 10 when this movie came out and I have seen it a number of times, which may not be okay. Um, But I would want to be his friend in gone in 60 seconds, because at least then you get to ride away 
in the Shelby GT um, that he steals in that movie. And that it, car was cool. And, and, and they get away, right? They don't all uh, mm. blow up or, you know. And the, the Shelby GT's nickname is Eleanor, which is actually my daughter's name. I didn't name her after that, but <laughs> you didn't name her after the Nick Cage car, not after the Nick Cage car. But but when I see that movie, I think of my daughter now. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, that's 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 cool. So so far, since I've been asking this question, that's the first time uh, a gone in 60 seconds uh, okay. character has been named. The the one that's most often is uh, National Treasure. Sure. So two people have one person said they wanted to be Riley, which is like the the nerdy computer guy. Yep. One person said they'd want to be the the Harvey Keitel detective character. All right. One person asked me if if he was in Snakes on a Plane because they wanted to be the snake, and I was like, I don't think he was in Snakes on a Plane. I don't think he was either. <laughs> no. Uh, but yeah, so. So I think that's all the answers I've gotten so far. So, but that that's a fun question, you know. I hope, I hope people don't get annoyed that I ask about uh, like a movie question, you know, movies. And I'm not promoting any of these movies, just to that's right. Warn people, I'm not promoting them. They're just fun. The National oh. Treasure is probably the most fun and kid friendly. That's right. One, so. I think <laughs> I think you can promote National Treasure. I don't know what you can promote or not promote from gone in 60 seconds. So, you yeah, don't I don't know. I saw that in the theater. I wasn't 10. <laughs> I think I was 21. So I'm a little older yeah. than you. But yeah, <laughs> but you know what you can do? You can probably go just look at the go Google the scene where he gets away in that car. Right. You, that scene's on YouTube and you'll get all you all you need from that movie, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's other big stars in that movie, as I recall. I forget their names, but. Yeah. But anyway, but I, Matt, thank you for coming on. Anything uh, you want to promote or, or where they can go to find your podcast? Yeah, you can find Restless, a postmortem on the Young Restless and Reform in all your podcast catchers. Um, we have put out an ebook. It's kind of a strange ebook, but it's called The Deacon of God. We collected all together all the s- different sections of the Reform Confessions on the civil government because I think it is a question on the mind of a lot of people and so we wrote a bunch of discussion questions for young guys who are interested in that um and we think the confessions and the bible are a healthier place to start than the kind of the rage that is the modern media and if that's how you get like it's not a good you will not come to a good solid conclusion on these things if you start with current events but if you start with the church's trusted documents and the Bible. Uh, I think you'll, you'll get a lot more clarity. So we put it out there. There was a lot of interest in that early on when we started the show. So awesome. Well, thanks again for coming on and you can check out this podcast at Christian podcast community.org and many other great podcasts there or any podcast catcher um, that we're on. I'm not even sure which ones we are on, but I listened on Apple podcasts, but Anyway, until next time, we pray you continue to seek the kingdom of God and find out what we are even doing here. Grace and peace. Drive safe, Grady. It's usually a countdown. Oh, well. It says recording. All right, here we go. Yep.